Chapter 12 of Down in Water Street by Samuel Hadley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 12 Bowery Ike's Career. The worst unto my supper press, monsters of daring wickedness. Tell them my grace for all is free, they cannot be too bad for me. This wonderful story of God's love for the sinner is sent out with a prayer that it may catch the eye and reach the heart of many a careless unbeliever, and bring him to know our precious Savior. Bowery Ike obtained his name from the police and thieving companions on the Bowery, that great avenue of crime in the very heart of greater New York. He was turned out of home when a child by a cruel woman who had charge of him, and he was compelled to steal or starve. He soon became a proficient thief and led many older ones than he into daring crime. He was arrested and sent to the juvenile asylum for two years, where he learned all that he ever knew out of books. He finally ran away and became an expert thief and pickpocket. The writer became acquainted with Ike in a peculiar and providential manner. In my work as a missionary, I was walking along the Bowery after midnight, late in September 1884. I heard my name called from a wagon where two tramps were bivouacking for the night. On going up to see what was wanted, one, who called himself Rummy, said he had a friend who had got pinched that day for swiping some watches from the clothing of workmen in an unfinished building. He is a fine thief, said Rummy, but he was full, and unless I can get someone to befriend him, he will get a long term up the river. After providing for the two boys, I promised to meet them at the tombs where the court of special sessions was held and through some influence I got Ike off with six months in the penitentiary on Blackwell's Island. I got rummy work, and with him visited his friend on the island. I want to place on record here the faithful friendship I have noticed, through long years of missionary work among the criminal class, that thieves and crooks have for one another when in trouble. They put some of us Christians to shame. Rummy shared his small pay of five dollars a week with his friend, Rummy also came down to Water Street Mission and gave his heart to God, and died a few years ago, leaving a bright testimony that he was going to be with Jesus. When Ike got out of the penitentiary, I gave him work, and through the following ten years he worked for me most of the time. I always trusted him. Occasionally he would get restless and start out on the road. He would travel all over the country free in the side-door Pullmans, freight cars. When he came back, he would apply for work, and I would always give it to him. Finally, he got to be such a drunkard that he said he would never work for me again. The first year I hired Ira, I made a regular bargain with the Lord that as I had reclaimed Ira for him, I would pray for him twice a day until he was saved. How my faith was tried in the years that followed. He grew worse and worse each year, but the faith of my wife, who had joined me in this fight and my own, never wavered. Ike got arrested at last for disorderly conduct and was sent to the island for five days. He was put to work on the boat Fidelity, which is employed to carry dead bodies from the morgue to the potter's field. The boat is piled up high with these dreadful boxes, and the poor fellow had to eat his soup and bread at noon on one of these boxes for a table. During one of these hideous repasts, he came to himself and said, O oh Lord, if I get off this boat, I will go down to the Water Street Mission. He was as good as his word, and after coming to our place three successive nights, Jesus spoke words of peace and life to his guilty soul and Bowery Ike died forever. He was in his thirtieth year, and his faith was like a child's. If he was tempted to say or do anything wrong through the day, he would stand up in our testimony meeting and confess it all, no matter what it was. I saw at once that he had paid the price and was going through. 
I finally decided to educate him for God's work, and Mr. Walter M. Smith, one of our beloved trustees, helped me to send him to the Moody Bible Institute at Chicago. It was a trying time, as he had never studied, and his mind was untrained, and the course was severe. He took it all to Jesus and received the strength and knowledge he needed. At the end of the first year, his rating was 97 in a possible 100 in a class of 450. He was given, among other work, the Cook County Jail meetings every Sunday morning, and we believe God blessed his work there to the salvation of many criminals awaiting sentence and death. He came home the following October to celebrate his third anniversary. He had been gone one year, and, dear reader, we hardly knew him. Never did Grace work such a mighty change. The whole contour of his face was changed. His forehead had grown broad and high, his face and manners were honest and frank, and all traces of the old life had gone. Instead of the sharp, cunning thief, he was a handsome, dignified gentleman. The house was crowded, and many of the gang who had come down to his anniversary could scarcely believe their eyes. He went back for six months further work and was coming home in April to become associated with me in this work, when on March 15, 1899, he died of heart disease. We brought him home and buried him from dear old Water Street Mission on his 34th birthday. Crowds of loving friends stood around his coffin and bathed in tears the dear face of one who had come to us, less than five years before, an outcast and foe to humanity. Never shall those who heard him forget his last anniversary, as he stood up and with impassioned appeal spoke of Jesus' love to sinners, how wonderfully God had applied the word to him, and how from one end of God's holy book to the other he showed sinners how they could come and be saved as he had been. We give herewith an extract from a letter received from Ira about his jail work in Chicago. We had a glorious time at the jail yesterday. The Holy Spirit was there in mighty power, and the poor fellows just came to Jesus eagerly. We could not handle all who came to talk to us about their souls. I read the 34th Psalm and talked a little while on Isaiah 55, 3. Here and your soul shall live. And the Holy Spirit carried conviction to their hearts. About twenty accepted Jesus. The poor fellow who wrote the letter that I forwarded you went to the penitentiary for an indefinite time. Being an habitual offender, they can keep him as long as they like. In other words, they own him. Let us pray for him. I saw him before he went away, and he was very happy and gave a bright testimony for the Lord. He said he would sooner spend his whole life in prison serving Jesus than live without him a free man. The institute manager will do what he can for him through the chaplain. He may be able to get light work and a little better food. Also, a letter from the Reverend Dr. R.A. Torrey, superintendent of the institute, showing how he was esteemed there. Mr. Walter M. Smith, 115 Worth Street, New York. My dear sir, yours, March 16th received. I have already written Mr. Hadley about our brother Snyder's death. It was a sudden shock to us all. There were few men here in the institute for whom I had as strong a personal affection as for brother Snyder. Possibly this may have begun in view of the depths from which he had been saved, but it grew as I came to know him more. He certainly was a very attractive Christian. He lived a beautiful life among us. His life told here in our city with a great many, and his death is beginning to tell. Only last night, at one of our missions, some man who had known Snyder in sin wanted to take Christ. I had hoped great things for his usefulness, and his death is to me, in some measure, a mystery. But I do not question for a moment that God's plans are better than ours. Sincerely yours, R.A. Tory.
in closing this account i wish to bear testimony to the faithful loving help of one of our beloved trustees in the matter of procuring brother snyder's education and helping him along in his religious life brother smith one of the leading merchants of this city loved him treated him as a brother asked him to his place of business took him to his lovely home some miles out of town and took him to his church and had him speak to their people brother ira never forgot this and repeatedly spoke to me about it telling me how encouraged he was to press on with such loving friends in one of god's strong providences brother snyder will live and speak for years to come mr smith had been compelled to take a rest from his business on account of broken down health some months before ira's death he had become acquainted with the rev r f campbell of asheville north carolina and was greatly interested in the work that mr campbell through the presbytery is doing among the mountaineers as brother smith was going to pay ira's salary as my assistant he decided after his death to devote that money to dr campbell's work and the result is that a splendid church and school have been erected and are under full swing and full of scholars on fines creek haywood county north carolina known as the snyder memorial school and chapel these hardy grand people so bereft of church and educational privileges are taking full advantage of this blessing and their children come for miles around and crowd the day school the sunday school and the church though dead he yet speaketh twas grace that taught my heart to fear twas grace my fears relieved how precious did that grace appear the hour i first believed end of chapter twelve